Harold and Shadi have have made their home available to us, meeting to Serge Yisrael Hershowitz and me uh, in the highest possible level of comfort and welcome. Never seen anything like it. Those of you who know them already know what I'm talking about. Um, but not only have they made us comfortable, but they've also just thrown their house open. This is the third night in a row that we have some group here that uh, we've, uh, we've had the privilege of, of speaking with. So thank you very much. And uh, may your house be a base and a place of continued mitzvahs, as we know you already do. Many Atlantic groups have been here, um, Kola groups and other trips and so on and so forth. So um, may it continue to be that way. And um, so, yeah, we we can't express our appreciation enough. Uh, I think it's appropriate, first of all, just to to begin with a paragraph of Tehillim. Uh, We've all been davening, but uh, we should be davening. And um, we are, we're meeting on very unusual circumstances, um, which I have some comments about. I'm sure my father, uh, Shalita, will have some comments as well. And um, and maybe my mother. Uh, And... uh, We'll, uh, we'll go from there. So I, I know you don't have copies in front of you. Some of you have your phones. If you have your phones, um, I'm looking at the uh, chief rabbi's sheet that was passed out, the, the show that uh, Harold Dowd is at in the morning, um, at the Chorev show. But uh, we'll start with, we'll, 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 we'll do one uh, paragraph of Tehillim. Parakhaf, which um, at least the men are probably very familiar with. And ladies, I'll say it slow in case you don't know it by heart. Please forgive me if you don't have copies. Should I give you a chance to get it out on your, uh, on your phones? Okay, wait a couple of seconds. Life has changed. We want to say to him, and I say, I'm going to give you a chance to get it on your phone. That's, that wasn't something we did 15 years ago. Okay, let's say it together. Yishlach has a family kodesh, a mitzion yisodeka. Yiskar kolmen chosecha, v'yolazcha, yigash l'sala. Yitain l'chotu v'becha, chalat sasta yimai. Naranah b'shuasecha, v'shem Eloheinu midgol. Yimai Adonai, v'shalashecha. Atayadati ki yashia Adonai v'shicha. Yeah, <laughs> just the last thing that Yisrael, this is Yisrael Hershkowitz, our shul's president, who has been a uh, just a fantastic partner in uh, from the moment uh, we agreed to go on this trip last, uh, I don't know, Thursday? Thursday. Thursday uh, till, uh, till this minute, it's been really wonderful. And our son David has been our driver. He they met, met us at the airport at 6.30 in the morning on Tuesday, and he's been with us every minute, up and down the length and breadth of, uh, 
Aritzenu HaKadoshah. It's been amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, first of all, Chavod, I'd like to ask you if you could share, if you have any thoughts at all. I just want to say the following. First of all, it's good to see all of you representing the rest of the community. Uh, for Stella, for me, it's a great, a great pleasure to see you again. Um, on the other hand, this is our second war that we've been through. And we live in Atlanta, supposedly. But we were here for the Six Day War, and now we're here for another war. The two wars are not alike. Because the Six Day War was over before we could we could say boo. Uh, it actually was over the first day. In the first few hours, we didn't know it. This war is going to, I hope I'm wrong, but it looks like it's going to last for a long time. It's not a six-day war. It's not even going to be a six-week war. It may be longer than that. It, of course, not up to us. Lo has his own plans and his own ways, and we don't know what he has in mind, and we don't know what the overall a plan for Ami Yisrael and for Medina Yisrael is. Um, on the way over here tonight, Heshi drove us, and my, our son-in-law Heshi, and he's now looking for a parking place. <laughs> so, all right, that's how it is. But when I mentioned that, looking for a parking place to a doctor recently, just Agavurcha, he said, it's thrilling. Can you imagine? A thousand years ago, the Jews wouldn't be able to park in the 21st century in Yerushalayim. There were two or three Jews living here, and now you can't park. He says, it's wonderful. You know, it's a bracha. Okay. So on the way over here, we, we stopped at a light. And over here, the street leading up here, what street was that? Yes. I drove Aza. Unfortunately, Rehov Gaza. Gaza. Rehov Gaza. And there were parked in front of a store. There's a big sign in front. Shomer Shabbos Bifar Hesio. Are you familiar with that place? You should patronize it. It's a great sign. Shomer Shabbos Bifar Hesio. What do they sell? As opposed to Mikhail Shabbos Bifar It's unbelievable. It, it gave me a lift just to look at it. I think he should be patronized, but that's another story. Um, there's a, so much on my mind to say, to think, um, to transmit. All of us need chizuk. Some of us have people in the army, children, grandchildren. Some are at the front. It's not an easy time for anybody. Uh, we need a lot of tefillah, we need a lot of schuyos, and we, not, we need a lot of help from above, which we will get, ultimately. We don't know what Hashem has in mind, but he named Lo Yanun Lo Yishan Shomer Yisrael. That's until 120, the, 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 uh, the Shomer, of, the, the watcher of Israel is not asleep. Some of our watchers were, human watchers were asleep. 
our watchers were not asleep, the first broke no sleep. There is something strange going on here. How is it conceivable, conceivable, that what happened on Simcha's Torah here could happen? That people could walk up and down, uh, that enemies could walk up and down the streets of a kibbutz, open doors and shoot people and murder them. How is it conceivable? The strongest army in the world, the best air force in the world, the, the most vaunted intelligence system in the world. How did this happen? And no one knows how it happened. No one knows. Someday maybe we'll find out. But surely there's the hand of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and we're getting some kind of message here. Uh, we don't know what that message is, but we're getting a message. Father as well is getting a message. I keep getting calls from from people who are very distressed, who want to know, how can I achieve menucha sanefesh? I'm so worried, I'm so tight, I'm so concerned. What should I do? Well, you know, I don't know the answers because I'm also worried. But one thing I do know, and that is the key is not, what, how can I get peace of mind? The key is, to reconnect ourselves with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To reconnect ourselves. Whether I get peace of mind is not the point. The point is for us to take some opening that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us with this event and reconnect with him. Well, reconnect with him is a nice phrase. What do I mean? Reconnect with him by better davening. Reconnect with him by better saying but by saying Baruch and knowing what Baruch means, and not just Baruch by davening, looking at all the words, if you go through Shacharis carefully, every word in Shacharis, every phrase, leaps up at you. It's in neon lights, every other, other phrase. Today, Hayom Yom Hamishi, it's one of the Tehillims, it says, if you, if you abandon me, says Hakadosh Baruch Hu, something so sechem, I will. Remember, remember, everybody remember the blessing. If you abandon me, I will leave you to your designs. I will leave you to your designs. If you abandon me, says Hakadosh Baruch Hu in Tehillim, okay, abandon me. Then you're up. You're you're. Um, you're in the hands of your advisors. You're in the hands of your defense <coughs> ministry. You're in the hands of your generals. You're in the hands of your hotshot uh, pilots. You're in the hands. Okay, abandon me. That says so right there. It's black and white. By and large, our Ami Royal can do much more in reconnecting with the Kodesh Baruch So we need to daven better. We need to learn a little bit more. We have to engage in one with the other in a much more intense way than we have in the past. And hope HaKadosh Baruch because hope brings eternal to the human breast. HaKadosh Baruch will help us out of this, but we're not in good shape right now. We will be in good shape if we connect with him. And connecting with him, that's what gives us peace of mind.
That's the point. The point is not my peace of mind. The point is my connecting. And ultimately, my peace of mind will come later. May Akharas Brahma bless us all with what we need, which is a Yeshua, a Tzorah Hiliyako, this is a tough time for Am Yisroel, a tough time for, for Medina's Yisroel, but Hashem is still there. He says, Sometimes it seems like he's hiding his face, but it only seems like he's hiding his face. He's there behind us, and in Mir Hashem, he will pull us out from this. In Mir Hashem, Kodesh Baruch will do. Rabbi, I don't, I, you know, you should never give the pulpit to someone who hasn't spoken in 30 years <laughs> <laughs> to, to a group, and all of a sudden he finds himself in front of a group, and he could go on and on and on, because you owe me 30 years worth of sermons. You owe us 30 years worth of sermons. That's right. That's right. So, we're, ready. we're ready for more. That was more. the first mistake, is letting me speak. But... Um, you're not speaking. You're sharing your thoughts. Okay, so I'm going to stop here. If you want, if anybody wants, if you want to open up these questions, to, you want to open this up to questions. God forbid. No. No. Okay. Maybe comments later on. But comments. We're not the answer man anyway. I would, but the boss says no. So. <laughs> Maybe the. And where is has, has she come in yet? No, oh, he's, he's, he's parking in park, the place in Chevron that he can park. He's here at the building but can't get in. Yeah. Can't get into it. Yeah. Mom, did you want to say anyway, anything? Anyway, send the send love from yeah. Estelle and me to, to the whole community, to those of you who have contacts still in Atlanta. It's great to see you. We meet together on occasions where we can celebrate the triumph of obvious role, not only physically, but spiritually as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rabbi, the floor is yours. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please, Maya. Yeah. Um, I just have one thing to share, because there's so many things that have been said, and we have heard things repeated. But uh, somebody was saying to me, I'm trying to daven. I'm trying to daven longer. I'm trying to have meaning but I'm not always feeling it so I said but but it's known it's known that we don't have to feel every word uh, I, I heard uh, I only want to make this comment that I heard which was very very reassuring and that was when you're saying those words even if you're not feeling them consciously those words are nevertheless doing its work for your nefesh so your nefesh which is hidden and not overt is still being affected by the words that you're uttering, whether you, you're feeling it at that moment or not. And no human being can feel and feel and feel all the time. Uh, we, we have different uh, ups and downs in our emotions. And uh, we needn't worry that our emotions are not showing or that they're not appearing. Uh, something is going anyway, and a connection is being made. And so that davening is for your nefesh, as well as for your conscious self. So that's another way to get closer to Hashem. And of course, the other concept is the closer we try to be, the closer Hashem comes to us. So it's a two-way street. I always say, I, I'm always saying this. Um, it, it works both ways. 
It works both ways. Hashem is getting closer to us, and we're getting closer to Hashem. And it works both ways when people say they took on mitzvos. They'll say, oh, oh there was the shul made such an impression on us, and we learned so much when we started coming. And I said, but it works both ways, because you yourselves open yourselves up. You were doing your work toward the shul. So coming, uh, anytime we do this, we're coming toward, and something is coming toward us. So it, it does work both ways. Yeah, I like the way, the way, I like the way you put it earlier. Yes. You said Hashem has our back and we have Hashem's back. Mm-hmm. Hashem has our back and we have God's back. You know, oh yeah, I said that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I said yeah. that with the re- little remarks that we the were at, should be to give to Ben Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> I said Hashem has our. I said. I said Hashem has our. I said Hashem has our back. No, we know that Hashem has our back. But I said we have Hashem's back, and then I said, oh, I hope I didn't say something wrong. <laughs> I was a little worried about what that sounds like, you know. Yeah, and but that's the two-way street. Yes. Speaking, speaking about Rebbitzins, um, just want to mention for the ladies particularly, there's a recording of a recreation of a presentation that my wife made to the uh, ladies of the show after davening uh, a week ago. So if you can get hold of that, it's in the Beth Jacob Network, so it's worth, Ron, it's Ron, worth listening to. Can I ask you a question? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Could you share with us some of the more um, meaningful um, events that you uh, meetings that you had the last couple of days I know they're very emotional I, I'm not I there's no one moment it's overwhelming and to you you're living this um, but every every minute of this trip has just been been uh, so laden with um, with um, intensity that uh, we had no idea what we, we had no idea what we were getting into. We knew we were coming for a reason. Um, by the way, why why did we come? Why are we here? <laughs> right. So first of all, I'm not sure we couldn't. I, I for me, I can speak for myself. And I wrote this to the show. I could not come. That's the reason I'm here. I could not come. But also, as uh, the leader of a kahila, uh, particularly the kind of kahila that we have. Um, there, people are so desperate to be connected, and the whole shul can't come. So I figured I would come and, in a certain sense, represent what all the yearnings uh, for connection that everybody else has. Um, and we're communicating constantly, almost in real time. We have, a, I think it was about 170 people who are following our trip on a chat, on a WhatsApp chat. So <clears throat> that, that's, what, that's why we're here. But we're here also because we thought that we could we wanted to make sure that people here knew that the people in Chutzel Aretz are behind them, that we love them, that we daven for them, that we're concerned for them. But it's an odd kind of a thing, you know. Chazak, chazak benis chazak, we say, let you know, let's be strong and get strong. So we came to offer something, but there's no question we got so much more than anything that we gave. Um, <clears throat> so I just want, I, I do want to share a couple of things with you and. Perhaps, you know, we had, we had uh, B'nai Yeshiva last night, Atlanta sons who were studying here in Yeshiva. Uh, and the night before we had uh, uh, some of the women, married and unmarried alumni of Atlanta and people who are studying here now. One of the, um, one of the uh, young ladies, through tears, 
said, I don't know if she was confiding or asking or just, it was just unburdening herself. She said, life is so normal here. And uh, it looks like nothing's going on. I'm going through my routine every day. And I have to make a decision. Do I want to buy an ice cream or not? While I know that there's so many people, hundreds of thousands of people, are either in mourning or recovering from terrible injuries or are totally displaced or whatever it is. Or there's people that are husbands and fathers and sons at the front. How can I carry on like normal? And so she felt just awful about the fact that she's condemned to live a life that looks on the surface like it's very normal. You know, and so to, to a certain degree, I have an advantage because I come, I plop myself down for 72 hours or less, and I run from one thing to another, from this place, persons, hotels, to to shiva houses, to the house of somebody who's a parent who lost a tank commander as a refugee, and and, uh, and so I've seen so much in 72 hours, and it's not normal. You know, I'm not going through my daily routine. So I'm able to see some things that perhaps you don't see because you're condemned to live your lives. You have to get up in the morning, go to chakras, do your lives, eat breakfast, and so on and so forth, so you don't necessarily see it. So first of all, um, I want to to say something before I say something, which is um, there is a certain uh, unidentified dynamic that exists very often between people who have made Aliyah and people who have not made Aliyah. The people who have made Aliyah very often think that because they've made Aliyah, they know what's going on, and the people who haven't made Aliyah don't yet know what's going on. I don't mean what's going on in current events, but the people who made Aliyah are the experts on what's happening here. We know exactly what God has in mind. We know what should happen. We know what shouldn't happen. We know what's going to happen. We know why it happened. And don't challenge me because I've made Aliyah. And you guys, you losers in Chutz Laaretz, who <laughs> don't have the brains, the insight, the courage to make Aliyah, you're not even entitled to an opinion, right? So there is that dynamic. I'm exaggerating, but it's there. So I say to this group, let me tell you something. From my point of view, I'm the arrogant one. Why? Because almost everybody here who made Aliyah made Aliyah because of what you got in Atlanta, because of what you got mostly from my parents, what you got in terms of what it means to be a Jew, that being a Jew doesn't mean to remain stationary, that it means to to be willing to transition, to transcend, to change your circumstances dramatically, to upend everything, like all assumptions in your life and drop them and make a whole new set of assumptions. That's tremendously courageous. But that came in Atlanta. So don't forget that. Okay? Uh, that's number one. Uh, <clears throat> number two. Wow. Well, that's hello to Rabbi Grossman. Hello. <laughs> and uh, the parking space. the parking well, place. Dr. Lonsi, how are you? Well, and while we're here, we have first. Steve is here to welcome. And also, welcome. And by the way, I don't know if everybody knows the Greens, who are relatively recent, but the Greens just, in the middle of this whole war situation, just married off a child. Mm-hmm. 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 Unbelievable. 
Carrie and David over there. We married a, a child on Friday. Mazel Tov. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So, I'm sorry, but I have to get over here, and i got to be able to show Atlanta how special you all are for turning out here. I'm going to I'm gonna make a, a photograph, because people deserve to see all of you. You still as chronicled as much of this trip as we as possible. As a matter of fact, would you agree? Would you agree that it's weird to come into a shiva house and ask somebody if they mind being on camera? Would you agree that that's weird? We've done that, okay? And they were. What's amazing is, fathers and mothers earnestly want to share a message with the people in the Gola. It's amazing. They eagerly want to hear you. I'm saying parents who lost children or, or wives or whatever have been eager to share on camera what their thoughts are. It's amazing. Um, let me just try to summarize to you a little bit. Um, I can only talk about it when I'm not present. When I fully absorb what, what I saw, it's very, just very hard. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get back to Atlanta because I expect... Yisrael to me to talk. <laughs> Yisrael says to me, Rabbi, I'm so, I'm so happy I'm not you. <laughs> so, but he's got to do it also. So, so I, I mean, I can start. I don't know where to start. Let me just share a couple things with you. Um, fr- from the perspective of Atlanta, you know, I'm also not a stranger. My parents blessed me with being in, uh, a survivor, so to speak, of the Six-Day War. Um, and uh, I learned early on in my bones, mm-hmm. not intellectually up here, but in my kishkas, that when the tzibur is in trouble, you don't leave. And so when the tzibur here is in trouble, and I'm in Atlanta, got to find a way to connect. And uh, Rabbanim all across the country are doing this. And a matter of fact, on the plane over here, uh, a colleague of mine, Ephraim Goldberg, and a couple of his friends, uh, were on the same flight, um, and they brought a hundred pieces of luggage with them, filled with all kinds of supplies and things like that. Some that Israel wishes would never come, others that are that are desperately needed, whatever it is. But everybody's trying to do this. But from the perspective of Atlanta, before we got here, this is not just another crisis. Like my father said, this is not just um, a bad terrorist attack. There are terrorist attacks, and this is a real bad one. That's, this, is, this is not on the spectrum. This is that's something totally different. For, for again, from the perspective of outside, one of the blessings of, the, of, of, of Hashem for, for peacetime is you'll sit, dwell securely in your land. And we now have hundreds of thousands of people who are not dwelling securely in their land. They will not go back to their homes until they know that they don't have to traumatize their children night after night and live with the nightmares that might happen the way things happen in the southern border. So they're not secure in their land. They're loved in their land, but they're not secure in their land. This is a curse. Let's stray it straight. This is not a bad terrorist attack. We are living through a curse. There are worse curses. There are horrible p- curses we don't want to know about. This is a curse. 
It's not just a bad attack because we, we don't have borders. Our borders are not borders. Borders mean Ad Khan, you can come after this, you can't bother us. Well, they're bothering us. So we got a problem. And we don't, and we don't, so that's, a, we have, we have a, which means, I'm not talking politically. I have no right to say anything politically. I, my opinion is as worthless as yours, um, politically. But as a religious leader, one has to be awake when we experience something that's way out of line from anything that we've had till now. And, um, when, you know, Yisrael and I, today we were at two Shiva houses. Well, actually, one had already finished it yesterday, but he eagerly wanted, he eagerly wanted to see us in Kiryat Arba. Uh, another one was in Beresheva at, at a kibbutz right outside a kibbutz, kibbutz um, Omer, kibbutz Omer, a not religious kibbutz, and um, uh, his son was killed at the uh, party, at the dance party, 30-year-old with his girlfriend. And um, the, the, um, the, uh, the, the, the disparities and the connection at the same time, the difference in the, in the experiences. In the kibbutz that we went to today, we couldn't identify the mourners because actually the mourner was serving everybody else because it was in the kitchen, because they don't have any minhagim or dinim. There was a mezuzah on the door, but, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, but yet there were people there, and there were menachemim, there were comforters, and so on and so forth, but there was no semblance of ritual. Uh, we wanted to have mincha. We didn't even mention mincha there. There wasn't going to be a mincha there, you know. Um, and yet at the other, at the other shiva, there was uh, only emuna and bitachon. I'm sure you know this, I'm sure you've heard this, I'm sure you've seen this, I'm sure you experience it. Only optimism, only security, only uh, determination, only pride. <coughs> and again, over and over again, um, the values of our Torah, the values of our Torah. Our son was guided by the values of our Torah. And we heard this everywhere we've been, I mean, everywhere. We just, uh, the last thing we did before we got here is. We had the Dab Mincha, and we also wanted to visit with some soldiers. So our son took us to the crossroads. I forgot what it's called. One of the crossroads where all the Chayalim are coming on the way to the front. And there were jeeps piled high with soldiers and at cars. And, you know, you, you, you think the whole thing. And um, we had letters from our, from our preschoolers to distribute, love letters to the Chayalim, you know, piles of letters to give out. And these tall, tough, burly, uh, armed soldiers pile out of these cars and we go over to them we say we have a letter from a four-year-old in Atlanta like you to have this letter of love and these guys melted I mean these guys are, you know just really very very touching so we, we've seen all kinds of things I, I can't even finish my thoughts because it's so it's so uh, so overwhelming here's a couple things that we experienced the level of chesed as you know is overwhelming Everybody in this country is involved in some way making a difference to somebody else. The connection between people that, we, as you know, it was almost impossible for people to talk to certain people of different backgrounds to look at each other, to talk to each other uh, before, before the war. It's at least temporarily dissolved, but it's such, it's, it's, it's not just a relief. It's such an invigorating thing to know that wherever you go, you're connected deeply. I walked into a house of a total stranger. Before I said my name, before I said anything, 
we embraced. And it was an authentic embrace. I walked into the door, he opens the door, and we embraced. And we almost couldn't let go of each other. You know, We had never shared a thought in our lives. And yet we understood we have the same destiny, the same concerns, the same fears, the same everything. Um, in terms of just the, the what's happening over here, um, my concern, I'll just share with you my concern, especially for my people in Chutzlaretz, who have to go through the routine and don't see Chayalim, and don't and don't see any evidence in front of their eyes, and who are glued to CNN and Fox, which is the worst possible way. Not because they're pro or anti, just the opposite. Because deciding if they're pro or anti is the worst possible way to experience a challenge to Kal Yisrael. Because we have bigger problems than whether the animals who run CNN or Fox, whether those lowly creatures who are not interested in the truth support or don't support Israel. We have bigger problems than that, called our relationship as Am Yisrael to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when you spend your time focused on CNN or Fox, you're not spending your time on yourself. And when you're spending your time cursing Ilhan Omar, Yamach Shema V'Zichra, you're not spending your time thinking about how you want to daven. You're not thinking about how you want to be a better Jew. You're not spending any time Look at, like the, the Kabbalists of Uri, um, uh, uh, of Uri, of uh, Kiryat Arba, whose Mafsar had a list of 12 different things that he was going to do to improve himself this year. 21-year-old kid, father, and two-year-old kid and father and, and uh, commander. So um, my concern is how do I keep my people awake? How do I keep my people awake? And I would humbly say that that's a concern here also. How do you stay awake? Staying awake is a very hard thing to do. And to say, when we say better davening, well, I'm always better davening. I'm always trying to daven. Say better learning, it's true. But I'm, I'm always trying to learn better. So something is called for here that's not just, okay, I'm doing the right thing, and I'm just going to do the right thing a little bit more. Something's called for, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu got our attention with something that he never pulled out of his uh, repertoire before. He had used different arrows before. This arrow has never been used. And we have to realize something, we have to, some introspection has been is called for. And, um, you know, so I just, I, I, lo navi anachi, and even though I'm the son of a great man and a great woman, lo ben navi anachi, I'm not the son of a navi, and so you can take with a grain of salt anything that I say. I just want to give an example of some of the things that we can actually think about. It occurred to me that one of the major catastrophic dimensions of this whole thing was that the entire world had to watch that there were hundreds of Jewish young people on Shabbos Simchas Torah doing something that had nothing to do with anything Jewish at all. Nothing wrong with these kids. They're beautiful kids, beautiful people trying to have a good time, trying to enjoy life and believing in life. They just never heard Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. It's not their fault. But it should bother us who have Shabbos and who have Yom Tov and we understand what Simchas Torah is, it should bother us that 
that is considered normal. There are those who have it, or those who don't have it. There are those who know it, and those who don't know it. We're the ones who have simple Torah. They're the ones who don't have simple Torah. That's just the way it is. It can't be acceptable to us. It doesn't mean we have to make an organization. It doesn't mean we have to go and be Chabad at the corner. It doesn't mean anything in terms of what to do about it. But it has to bother us. If when it doesn't bother us, it means that the Shabbos that we observe isn't that it's God's Shabbos. It's our Shabbos. So I just, it seems to me that we have to, as ourselves, relate to Shabbos in a way that is so meaningful to us that it bothers us when others who don't have Shabbos don't have it. Because it bothers us because Hashem Shabbos is being violated. Again, I'm not talking about judging the people. They're wonderful people. They're great and powerful people. They make great contributions to people. And they're not aware of their Yahudas. The second thing I just want that occurs to me. The, as my father mentioned, the break in the wall is Lamalam and Ateva. It's not normal. There is no way in natural course of events that wall could be penetrated. It just couldn't hit. One of the fathers told us that his son said that he was kind of disappointed that he was at the southern front. It was a boring front. Not, there's no action there. Right, there are missiles. That's the missiles. But the, the, the manning the, the wall was boring because nothing ever happened, could happen there. That's the attitude that they had before. So what happened was there was a break in the fence and thousands of Chabalanian pour through, probably doped up, by the way, so that they could do as horrible as possible a job. That's what they suggest, that's some people are suggesting. And, um, and uh, they did terrible things. Besides killing, besides the killing and all the other horrible things, the the redu- the diminution of the Salam Elokim, the physical image of a human being, the the willful desecration, that's the word, the desecration of the Salam Elokim also is just a human being is an elevated creature. A human being is a reflection of God. When we look at each other, we need to see godliness in each other. And these monsters emphatically said that a human being is not in any way a reflection of God. Therefore, we will butcher you and deface you to the point where you're, the victims can't be identified for two weeks, some of them. Rahman al-Itzlan. We're in a Shiva house today that just began Shiva. They couldn't identify their dead till yesterday. It's just it's unbelievable. So we have to think about Salam al that was desecrated, the image of God, and how we relate to each other as a similar These are just thoughts that I have. I am not, I'm not, I'm not authorized to interpret these things, but I can't avoid having. These are my reactions. The point is, something unusual is going on here. Finally, I just want to say one thing. The only thing that connects us, the only thing that connects us, not a thing that connects us. If there isn't a Torah, there is no reason for me to be connected to the guy in the kibbutz that I hugged when I when I saw it today. There's no reason. What do we have to What do we have to do with each other? The only reason is because we're part of a nation that God created as a nation. That's the only reason. The point is that the only reason we exist is to bring God's word into the world for ourselves and for the entire world. The only reason we exist is for that. Therefore. 
by definition. It's not just a religious uh, cliche. If we don't spend our time bringing more Torah into the world, we are forfeiting our right to exist. We have, we have to understand that Talmud Torah is a mud game. It is the shield. It is that which protects us. We have to honor those who study Torah. We have to honor those who teach Torah. We have to honor those who fight to protect Torah. We have to understand that what Am Yisrael is, 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 is it lives through the Kalach of Torah. That's it. We don't have anything else. And if we think we have something else also, then we're, we're, we're putting our faith in the wrong thing. Sahel is fantastic, and Sahel is not the object of our faith. Sahel is what God uses to protect us. And when God doesn't use Sahel to protect us, Sahel doesn't protect us. We just saw that. So these are hard truths. I think we have to understand this is not a time to sugarcoat what's going on. This is not a time for us to, well, okay, and to resort to the whatever it is that we thought before, whatever it is. It's not the time to do that. Now, how in the world are we going to get anybody, anybody in Atlanta to even think along these lines and to be willing to hear me is another story. I have no idea. It's a, it's a, you know. But the chesed that has gone on here, the level of loving kindness, the care, the volunteerism, the, the details, the, the thousands of people who are hosting people, the, the preschool teachers who are volunteering to leave preschools in hotel basements that we saw, the laundry that's being done for people in the hotels. At the shoe we say, Israel and I saw a table, a huge table, piled with shoes. And both of us had the same reaction. We literally had, we almost collapsed. Because the last time we saw tables piled with shoes, we're in Holocaust museums. And here we saw tables piled with shoes that had been given in such great number by people who want to help other Jews. It was just that the, the counterweight was so overwhelming that it just, we, we, could, we could almost not breathe in the presence of the shoes. It was just amazing. I said, the is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It, I don't think there's ever been a moment in Klai Israel where so many thousands and thousands and thousands of people are actively involved in loving kindness for hours and hours and hours a day for other Jews. It's unbelievable. I, I have a sense that the war began with a Rosh Hashanah, so to speak, Simchas Torah, Shemim Yatzeres, and that we're in a period similar to Yatzeres and Yatzeres. We're in a period where Hashem is assessing and Kalei Yisrael has got to react. We're in the middle. We're waiting for the other part of the war. We don't know what it looks like. We hope it doesn't happen. We hope it does happen. We hope for a miracle. We don't know. Whatever it is. But there's irresolution, very much like Aseris and Very much like we understand that there's judgment. We understand there's accountability. We understand that we're responsible to Hashem. And we hope to react properly to the Kaddish Baruch But this is a moment, these are moments where we can make a difference. Our tefillah makes a tremendous difference. Our, 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 our Talmud Torah makes a tremendous difference. And our chesed makes a tremendous difference. That's, that's just my thoughts. Um, Yisrael, you're... you're uh, I'm sure they can be close to me. I'm yeah. happy to be all whatever. Uh, I got it. I got it. No, we, we were both eyewitness to things. We, we have the luxury of running from place to place, and we've seen so much in three days, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. If anybody has any, any questions or comments or whatever it is, I'm gonna, we actually have to make a plane tonight. Um, so we're going to actually be unsocial and leave abruptly very soon. 
Um, but uh, he has something to say. Yeah, please. Oh yes, ma'am. What does this war say about the coming of the Mashiach? <laughs> Mashiach. This, this, this. It's a great question. Uh, you have to ask somebody who knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he's knocking uh, at the gates. We have to let him in. He's right there. But we don't let him in. Dot, dot, dot. You know, about a little over a month ago, there were thousands in the street demonstrating all kinds of, you know, this is Neged, Ba'ad, pro, con. And then all that just overnight changed into one into one unified group. There's a Rav Tzva'i, uh, an army rabbi who was who was telling that uh, someone came to the uh, to the base and a kibbutznik and said he was bringing uh, he'd like to bring food for the soldiers. So the uh, the shomer at the gate said, I, "It's very kind, but I, the rab has to approve it." So they called the rab over. And the kibbutznik said to the Rav, he says, you're the second Rav I spoke to in my life. I said, I, I never spoke to a Rav in my life. I don't know anything about Judaism. But I wanted to do something. I wanted to bring food. And I didn't want to have a situation that nobody could, that somebody could not eat. So I called another Rav, and I told him to, to come to my place and kasher. I didn't have a kosher place to send mashkichim and kasher and supervise the entire production. It was a restaurant? Yeah, a restaurant, so that I could make food that everybody on the base would be able to eat. And he showed them the letter that what he had, that everything was was made in a kosher kitchen and everything was prepared. He said, and you're the second rat I spoke to in my life. The first one was the one yeah, who came amazing. and got it. I just wanted to say that everybody on the base should be able to eat. You know, I was thinking, you know, there's a lot, it's a, it's a fascinating story, Moshe. It's terrific. You know, there's going to be a lot of blame in Mirchashem when this is over. A lot of heads are going to roll. There's going to be a lot of blame. Finger points. Uh, you know, <laughs> deservedly, the heads will roll, but that's not the point. Right now, we also we find our own people ourselves. Oh, if only X would behave himself, or that group would be you know, different, or there would be more tolerant, or there would be more from. This wouldn't have happened. Everybody knows exactly, you know, what a coach Bromo has in mind. <laughs> that, that's the problem. The the point is that there's a pasuk in Yonah Hanavi, what we read on Yom Kippur, when when the storm is about to, uh, to to drown everybody on ship, and the ship is about to go under, and Yonah's down there sleeping, and finally he says, I forgot the exact words. Of the Torah, he says, the fault is mine. Right. He says, Ibrianochi is over. Then he says, I am responsible for this storm, my behavior, because I ran away from God. You know? So that's the point that each individual Jew has to keep in mind. 
It's not the next guy who's responsible. It's not my neighbor if you're only more from. It's not the Haredim who are too extreme. It's not the Kikos Ruger guys. It's not the guys who don't know anything that's responsible. It's me. I'm responsible. Like Yonah says. You know, it's so easy to, to, to blame. That's about what I have to say for this minute. Next minute, I'll have something else. I come up. But Ben, in response to your question, which I will foolishly try to answer, I have no idea. But first of all, I think a Jew has to conduct him or herself. Uh, with the, uh, What I'm doing is not being done because Mashiach is coming or not coming. I'm doing this because there's a God, and I'm obligated to use my life to serve him and know him and bring him into the world as much as possible. Even if I know Mashiach ain't coming for a while. Having said that, there are things going on here which give very serious thinkers pause. I'll just give you one tiny example of a possibility. I'm just uh, the last mission in Sota gives signs of the era before the coming of Mashiach. And the mission mission lists different things. And then the Mishnah has what seems like a non sequitur. It said, after listening, listening all these simanim, the Mishnah says, And we have not, we, who are you talking about? And we have nothing to rely on other than our Father in Heaven. It doesn't make any sense. It says, bread will be this, and wine will be this, and we have nothing to rely on except our Father in Heaven. I had that experience when I got the news after the Yumta was over and I got all the details. I, I was at the Federation rally in Atlanta. They had 3,000 Jews. They rented out a huge uh, um, auditorium in Sandy Springs. And they also had overflow outside, thousands of people on a big screen. And the, the Council General of the State of Israel, who deserves respect because as far as the world is concerned, she represents the Jews. Achenveh that she does because she has no idea what Judaism is about. And she gets up there and she says, we're going to take those terrorists out because this is what the army of the state of Israel was created for. Never again. And I'm going, are you an idiot? You just said never again. And under your watch, thousands of Jews were massacred. And you couldn't do anything about it for more than a couple of days. And you had the chutzpah to say proudly never again. The point is that there are many, many thousands of Jews who put their trust in the IDF and not in God. They no longer have anything to have faith in. You can't have faith in God if you have faith in something else. You cannot have faith in God if you believe in something else. If you believe the Rays have to win the World Series, or otherwise there's no life, you cannot at the same time be believing in God. And that's why I was glad the Braves were eliminated from the playoffs. But the point is that, uh, you know, in the times of Mashiach, all the false gods will be seen to be just that, false gods. Do I gloat about that? No, we can't live without Sahel. The point is, it's not Sahel. It's God who works through Sahel. And if we think that it's not... So these soldiers today, I mean, again, I'm not an expert in anything. I only saw 150 soldiers in 35 minutes, or maybe two, I don't know what it is, going and coming, chayalot, chayalim. Guys without yarmulkes wearing tzitzis. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They're wearing tzitzis because they believe it'll give them some kind of magain or whatever it is. And they're, 
But these are people who are coming from a culture that just a week and a half ago said, like hell you're going to get me to do a mitzvah. You're not going to be mitzvahed me and make me be dati and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden they're brandishing their tzitzis on the way to war. It's insane. So, you know, there are signs. Some of the signs that the Mishnah describes seem to be happening. So I conduct myself as if Mashiach, I, Mashiach may not be coming and I serve God with passion as much as possible. And I'm fascinated by watching the hand of God. Fascinated. You guys are sitting in a front row seat in the safest place in the world. Being Yerushalayim can't be a safer place than Yerushalayim because it's God's capital city. Not because Trump said so, because God said so. And, um, and uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Selman? Yeah. First, I want to agree with you about Atlanta. Renee and I would not be here today without the very nurturing and positive environment that you and your father brought about just for us, I'm sure. And I appreciate that very much. Um, but I saw after Yom Kippur with that attack in Tel Aviv when they closed down that dominant for Yom Kippur. Um, the comments that, that I saw after that were people that were there that were just mortified, secular people that were mortified. A, a, a man that said, I went out and bought Tallis and Tefillin. I've never worn Tallis and Tefillin, but I think my children should now see me wearing Tallis and Tefillin. Another man said, I've never worn a kippah. I, I won't go out without a kippah. That's what's going on um, from, from that. Yep. Now, times a thousand is what's happening today. I think that a lot of those people that <coughs> at that rave party or or, or not, that they just don't understand the, the, the beauty in, 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 our, in our mitzvot will be coming closer. Two things quickly. A woman on social media that came to my attention, I'm not on social media, thank God, because I actually have a life. <laughs> uh, but, uh, a woman on social media wrote, I've been married to a non-Jew for 20 years, and I've never felt sorry about being married to him like I do now, because Although he agrees that what was done by Hamas is terrible, he can't understand why I can't sleep. As one woman. Another woman wrote that in response to what, what they did, I decided for the first time since I've had children to light candles. And I was horrified when my child asked me, why are you lighting candles? And I had no idea what to say. Right? And I believe this is happening in the thousands in America. As a matter of fact, we're going to be initiating something in the show to try to capitalize on the opening in people's hearts uh, because people are grasping desperately and they're feeling isolated because uh, you know this and I know this and I'm not saying this as an Aliyah message. America is going to hell. We're living on fumes. There is no America left. It is only living on what it used to be. Um, there is no values left in the country and the average person finds it quite acceptable to be anti-Jewish and it's going to get worse, and I'm not afraid. It's going to get much worse, but I'm not afraid. It's not the issue. It's not a question of security. The question of the values of our country are kaput. It's, it's, it's over, and we're living on fumes. Um, but uh, we got a capital. People feel isolated. Those of us who have a community, we have a community. We have each other. We don't realize how strengthened we are to each other. But those of us who don't have any religious community, when you're stuck with this kind of a horror, you have nobody to reach out to. You're alone and abandoned. 
got to go to the airport, and my partner is looking at me like, I told you you were going to speak too much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Note. Uh, up note. I don't know how many of you govern every morning. I mean, if you don't govern, or if you do govern, you may have overlooked it too. In this brochure, if I look at Sabayas and Dovi, it says, Aramim Kha Hashem Kabili Sonic Losimach Oberli, I praise your Lord, praise your God, Losimach to Oberli. You do not allow our enemies to have Simcha over us. It's an amazing phrase. I thought the God will hear me by cheerful Amy. And then the main verse that lifts me up every morning. There is weeping at night. But in the morning, there is joy, there is song. And so may it be for us. You know, we weep tonight, we mourn. We worry, we're concerned, but our God is there. A book arena. In the morning, there will be joy. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you.